So for the first of this series, I wanted to kick off with by talking with uh, Marcus Brown. So Marcus is a performance artist, author, uh, poet, recently published uh, his first book, a long form poem, A Wicked Pack of Cards. We talk about that. Uh, and also his uh, performances, uh, uh, principally um, the uh, Passing Trilogy, which he's been performing at business conferences around Europe for the last uh, couple of years. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get into it with uh, you know, the creative uh, maverick, Marcus Brown. So a couple of things you've been up to lately. You can give us give us the whole sort of picture of the of the sort of business model of you know performance hacking conferences and, and, and all that kind of thing. But the, the the latest thing I suppose in response to the sort of health situation uh, is your conferation. Yeah, what's that going to be about? Well, I can confirm today that it's going to be moved. Okay. Um, because. Um, thankfully, I've had a piece of commercial work come in right. and it falls on the time that I wanted to do the live stream. So, and right. as you can imagine, paid work for, for the likes of me and you is <laughs> This, is, out, this is outrageous. There's a whole, you know, a whole public out there wanting free stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, the idea, the, it's, and again, it's interesting that you talk about business business models around performance hacks and conferences and business uh, and festivals and things uh, because that business model is now in tatters around me um, which was the the driving force of the behind uh, conferation so conferation is how many how many just you know how many call-offs have you had um, just saying the last you know because we were just saying before we hit record you know a couple of weeks ago everything was hunky-dory now yeah uh, it's less than optimal well i've had obviously i've had all of my speaker training bookings cancelled because right. um this people who want speaker training normally want to have it for an event they're about to speak at right so all of their events have been cancelled <laughs> yeah. uh which has then cancelled all of my speaker training uh sessions and then I had, let's just put it this way. It's um, a, about third of my annual earnings have been wiped out because March, April and May are kind of like the, mm. in Europe, the, the conference kind of like that's the, the hotspot. So that's when yeah. most of the stuff happens. What, what's interesting is that the, the, there's been a sh the, the, They've, the events have either been cancelled or shifted back to the end of the year and everybody seems to be trying to get their event done in September. Right. So there's a big kind of like pile up at the end of the year. So you're going to get, get a helicopter, you know, like Phil Collins at, at Live Aid, you know, where you can sort of <laughs> just, uh, in September fly from gig to gig. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, though. No. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. This um, it was actually alarming how quickly 
it uh, it really was kind of like the, mm. the tsunami effect where everybody was like looking at the water going out and saying, "Oh, I think it's a co oh, hang on a minute, oh bloody, oh my work is gone." So it was it was really that that quick, that swift, and confederation was just um, the idea was to have a live event, um, which would be a live business modeling event which would actually be a conference in itself so right, and the conference was about the future of conferences um it's um something else has kind of bubbled up out out of it so if by thinking about the future of conferences i've obviously had to think about the future of my own work and how I yeah. do my performances and how I write the performances, not for stages, but for cameras yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, um, and I've started creating kind of like new little formats, which is uh, basically live readings from uh, volume two of a wiki pack of cards right. poem I've written. Um, and that's turning into a thing. So um, it's almost the live stream I'm going to do this afternoon is almost pretty much the business model for right. the conference of the future. Right. Um, so it's almost become obsolete in itself. And I think that's an interesting, that happens to me a lot in, in my work. So I'll have an initial idea. Um, and while I'm working on that initial idea, other more interesting things bubble up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they become Marcus jo John Henry Brown sonified. Yeah. But that's basically how I how things work with me. I, I tend to think about okay, well, how would a, how would a sensible business person approach this? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, say, okay, well, that's boring. How would I do it? Yeah. So with the, with um, the um, just I mean, let's just imagine that the. Um, you know the sort of current apocalypse hadn't happened and just um how did i mean what i you know we'll, we'll sort of dig into the into the history of 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 you and characters and stuff like that uh, in a minute you know but the um what was when did you first realize that do that because that you know i can't think of anyone else who really does what you do in a conference setting you know which is you know because it's it is a performance but then you could say well all conference speaking is a performance of, of some kind but you but yours is a very deliberate performance how did that um how did that emerge as a thing was it a fully formed idea that right this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna you know pretend to be one of these characters and 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 sort of hijack a conference, or how did it sort of evolve? Well, I was, um, uh, it really started to kick off in 2013. I'd been doing, as you know, kind of digital characters before that, so I started yeah. working on them around 2007, I think, yeah. was when I first started playing around with the ideas of. I think it was it was round about then that we we our paths first crossed. Yeah, exactly. Sort of yeah, not the early the, days. The, the planosphere. 
planisphere. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've been playing around with the ideas of of character because of the context of internet yeah. and because of my own personal biography. Um, the sorry, my bloody thing is. So I've. I've been playing around with characters and um, using these characters to kind of just basically save my mind because I wasn't working as an artist then. I'd gone through some mental health issues that had um, a big impact on my life. Um, I was in a job that had nothing to do with advertising, marketing, art, or anything. I was basically, I was a controller in a printing company. Right. And then I stumbled upon, uh, upon you lot in the planosphere. Hmm. And I started to kind of engaging with you guys as an ex ad guy, but also as an ex artist. Yeah. And um, I felt I was warmly received and looked well looked after in the, in, the, in the planosphere community and started creating these characters basically to flex my creative muscles and to entertain you lot. So it was a very, very small audience um, with very, very niche insider jokes. Um, and it was stuff I could do from the kitchen table. So that was kind of like the idea of the character stuff. And, and that work got me, actually got me back into the creative industry and uh, um, advertising and, and uh, social media. Remember that? Remember social media? Um, and, uh, and I did a talk at uh, the Republica in 2013, and the Republica is this very large digital live festival in Berlin yeah. in May. And the who's who of the digital community in Germany goes there and it, it's like a real honor if you get asked to talk there. Um, and I did a talk and I did, did basically did a talk about the learnings of the stuff I'd found out while I was pretending to be a character called Jack the Twitter. Right. He was a digital character who stalked people in London yeah. and wrote fictional narratives about their encounters and they were kind of you'd engage in a really strange kind of like dialogue with the with he was a uh, kind of victims uh, with, you know, say in, the, in the olden days we used to call, call he was like a transmedia character wasn't it, yeah transmedia <laughs> that was <laughs> i mean something yes, different I was touted about, <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i was i was touted about as a as a transmedia um, artist back then yeah. so and I was talking about these these things and it was a good and it was a classic talk it was what you would expect mm. a talk to be yeah. a bloke on the stage wanging on about something he'd found out but again I did it in a slightly different way it was very um, I'd stalked digitally uh, members of the audience before they yeah. came and I was describing them. It was very kind of like behavioral science and or it was yeah. like pseudo, pseudo behavioral science. Yeah. Like the kind of stuff that you and Rory would just laugh about. But it was, it was, it was a nice little talk and, and, and yeah. it was good. And I came down, I came off of the stage 
That's what and, I mean, researching um, the audience beforehand. I mean, that's what that's what kind of uh, these sort of uh, uh, what do you call it? You know, like uh, Darren Brown. Teller. Yeah, Darren Brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it was it was a very simple conceit to the uh, yeah. to the talk. Uh, it's like you have to be careful with your data. You have to kind of bit more restraint. You don't really have to tell everybody where you're doing, what you, where you, what you're doing, who you're doing it with, and where you're doing, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very simple idea. 2013. It was a year before. Um, it was six months before Edward Snowden. The Edward Snowden story broke, and so it was quite a, it was quite a timely piece. But I came off of the stage, and the audience loved, didn't love. It. The audience liked it. There was applause, and people came up to me and said that was really good and really interesting, and. But the, while I was doing it, I felt it, it, was, it wasn't the first talk I've, I'd done, but it was the first talk with where it was an actual proper stage with a proper mm. audience, with proper tech. Yeah. And, and, and if, you, if any of your listeners have ever been in a band or have done halfway decent theater, yeah. I've been on a stage with a large audience certain things kick in you know what i'm yeah, talking about yeah, so it's like yeah. it's like you know exactly what you need to be doing yeah and i was doing it and i was thinking yeah but something doesn't fit right here and i spent the rest of the rest of the the festival was a free day festival walking around and watching people on the stage yeah. watching what they were doing and i realized this is a massive a missed opportunity a massive yeah. missed opportunity you get 30 minutes of people's time on a proper stage with proper tech, huge screens. Yeah. And the audience have an expectation that you're going to give them something. Their yeah. expectation in particular in business conferences is very, very low. Yeah. <laughs> we could do something with this. And that was yeah. kind of the, and it, this, this idea didn't, wouldn't, wouldn't let me go. Yeah. And I was I, I visited some other conferences, not as a speaker but as a guest, and was seeing this trend of okay, the you have sponsored talks, so the yeah. sponsors of the conference will come on and tell them about how f fantastic their software is, which is really boring, and everybody leaves the room. And then you'll have a, prof a professional keynote speaker who'll come and do a talk that he's done a thousand times before, yeah. and it's really boring and probably two years old yeah. and um but it's always them yeah. it's always there's no kind of there was no story to it there's no yeah. performance to it there was no kind of yeah. like you you would and when we learn things for me i learn more i learn more from stories and films and and books and records because of the stories than sitting down and telling me somebody uh, and having somebody tell me how yeah. uh, programmatic advertising works yeah. um, or behavior, how behavioral science works. Unless, yeah. it's, unless, of course, it's you or Rory, then it's hugely entertaining. <laughs> but, but again, it's, it's, uh, it, you both have large personas and you go for all in on the, on the performance side of what, of what you do. So, um, so I sat down and I thought, well, okay, I, I've, I'm gonna, why don't I do a live character? Yeah. And I did it very briefly once at one of Russell uh, Davis's 
um, interesting talks. Right. I brought Sacrum, probably my favourite digital yeah. character. That he walked really the, all the way that, to London. Was that the first one? Or I guess the Kaiser was the first. Was it? What's the sequence? Uh, Sacrum came, came before Kaiser. Sacram was um, Sacram came before the Kaiser, and the photograph of Sacram was actually the was take the the photograph of Sacram with my hair all messed up was actually taken from a a a webcam camera in my office at the printing company where um, where I was a controller, (laughs) so it felt just like kind of I'll do this really quickly and bang him online. Did it in the lunch break. I remember the cartoon. So there, was, there was a little cartoon sacrum that used to. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, warmth. and they did all of that in. Yeah, brand warmth, uh, warmness, brand warmness. <laughs> See, I remember all this. And Brantolin. Yeah. Yeah, everybody is really good. I, I actually yeah. visited a, visited a, a, an agency years later, and uh, somebody had actually printed out sacrums brand warmness, uh, warmness pyramid and had it on the wall and he was and he was telling me that that the other other kind of like senior strategists would come into his office and and look at it and say yeah that's really interesting <laughs> it's absolute nonsense but it's easy of course that because did that was that around in sacrum time because that sacrum, inve- sacrum invented it right so there's Back so there's a continuum. Back invented Branson in there. Yeah. All right, because that that comes up in uh, in one, of the, or maybe in all three. I think of the in the, in the past. It comes. Trilogy. Uh, Branson has been in every single performance right. that I've written. Okay. Um, it's uh, I I like to include. I have. I, I like to write little Easter eggs in the performances for yeah. people who've been kind of following the work for a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, Branselin was created by Sacram. It's like a model where he said, you know, brand love. It was a piss take of of, of brand love. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like you only have so much um, brand hormone <laughs> to give at any given time. And if you give too much love to a brand, if you have too much warmness towards a brand, then your brandsolin can go down and you have to right, stock up you your brandsolin. It was it very, up, very, yeah. it was a very, very silly idea. But it then became something much more sinister over the years yeah, because yeah. I, the first performative performance that I did was a year later at the, at the, um, at the Republica. And it was uh, just after, um, after the Snowden yeah. thing broke. So I, I was kind of like still struggling. I was uh, the, the Snowden thing broke, and then I and then I realised, okay, that's the thing that I need because it, it's the it's the bridge to the talk I did last year about you know, personal data. Yeah. And uh, and be careful, in not letting. The premise. Uh, I ended the talk in 2013 by saying somebody's going to steal this data and use it against you, and it's probably going to be a media company. Got the media company wrong. Then NSA Snowden came, and that's when I wrote the Snowden pitch, where I. It, the Snowden pitch performance is: there's a man standing on the stage. 
the audience is um, high level NSA, um, uh, um, like a board. They're looking to up their sales of all of their products. Um, they they ha don't have very much visibility in the um, espionage community and they want a way, a campaign to get them on them, get them in at top of mind in front of people and sell their products. So um, it was pitch and uh, the, the man on the stage is the uh, CEO of a covert communications yeah. agency called the Black Operatives Department yeah. and he pitches the idea yeah. now, of this uh, is the thing, a whistleblower. Because Black Operatives, I mean that existed, that was another idea uh, on, it, of, on its own, wasn't it? And, which is then, um, you know, because mm. the, the disparate components have come back into the sort of master narrative, you know, because that was, um, I, I remember that cropping up as a sort of, as a kind of pseudo agency or something. Yeah, well, they, they kind of bubble up and bubble down. Sometimes yeah. it was called the Black Operatives Department, then it was called the Black Operatives Collective, then there was the idea of actually setting up something like that. Yeah. Um, years later, I mean, with this, but that was 2014. Um, fast forward to 2020, there is now a WPP agency called the Black Ops. <laughs> really? Yeah, there really is now um, um, an agency called the Black Ops. Um, it, so these they kind of it, 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 all of the stories, all of the little nuggets, they're kind yeah. of like floating around. Yeah. And um, I've always been very interested or inspired by people like um, Nick Cave does very, yeah. very similar things. So there'll be like little themes and ideas that pop, pop, pop in, come yeah. out, go away again. Tom Waits is another big in inspiration. The WWE is a huge inspiration of, uh, uh, um, yeah. to the work that I do because of the poor performative uh, nature of their business and the fact that they stretch narratives over decades yeah. Um, yeah. and have... Uh, kind of story components that were presumed dead kind of like come back to life again yeah. when the when the wrestler is uh, fit enough to to wrestle yeah. um so that that happens quite a lot in in my work but it, at the moment the the the, the passing um trilogy which at the very at the heart of most of the performances from 2014 which were kicked off with snowden pitch right up to flex last year at um at the republica they all had in some way a connection to the black operatives department yeah. they were always yeah. there um, so i was going actually... to ask you just to because uh, i think i think i've got it uh, got it straight who's who in, in the trilogy so you have the coalition who are the, mm -hmm. the client uh, yes. Like now, now, Black Ops, that's that's their their client. Now, and Tyler X is this um, kind of like the Joker meets Simon Sinek kind of character. Um, yeah. What, but what's his relationship to to the coalition? 
for instance. Well, he, he if in the second part we see the the second part of so we have for your listeners who have no idea who I am the 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 which is pretty much everybody. The, I have no idea um, who I am either. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, um, it starts. Uh, part one is the passing itself, which is set in two thousand and forty-nine. Um, the in a, in a very very dark world, which uh, is based on the marketing values and the principles of influencers. Uh, the second part is set in two thousand and twenty. Um, and is called the uh, sensorium process. And that's where we meet Tyler for the first time. And Tyler is at this point, just the human resources director for the Co for coalition innovations. Right. Um, and it's kind of like it's, we find it's a strategic kickoff. For the premise is that it's a strategic kickoff for coalition innovations. Um, Tyler Savior is his full name. Um, is the human resources director and presents the new vision of the of the future for the company. Um, and um, and the vision of the future of the company is that they have so much revenue that they're bigger than countries now. So that right. uh, and they start taking over control, and Flex is the final part of the trilogy, and Savior has gone completely mad, and the reasons he's he's gone completely mad is that he started taking the uh, alpha versions of the drugs that we saw yeah. in the first part. So the f Flex was um, is for me. I really wanted to go out on a bang. Um, I wanted it to be the biggest thing I've done. It, it was an hour long. Yeah. Um, it was on stage one at the Republic, so the main stage. Thousand people. Um, music, so I worked very, very closely with um, a composer in Bournemouth, of all places. Uh, yeah. Momo, Momo Tempo, uh, AKA Team of Peach, who created all of the music that you can hear yeah. in the piece. Um, and Flex is, ex Tyler in that performance has become this, he's, he's taken so many of these brand enhancing drugs. Um, and Rachel, the the algorithm is to rule us all. The algorithm you swallow, um, which is an idea that I'd used before the the trilogy started. Uh, Rachel as a, a swallowable algorithm. Yeah. Um, Rachel pops up in the in the poem as well later. I, I noticed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's some. Um, there, there are some bits of flex. I've actually taken bits of flex oh, um, right. okay. out of out of that and put it into here because the idea of behind a wicked pack of cards is we have a new character. Um, it's called Joseph Joseph B Joseph Blasphemous, um, and he wrote 
it's a very odd kind of meta book. He, the, the premise in my mind is he wrote this book, Tyler Savior, Tyler X got hold of this book and yeah. typixed out the bits he didn't like and the bits that are left over are the bits you can see on, right. on stage at Flex. So that's kind of like, I, again, this is another tiny little Easter egg that I've put in for people yeah. who, like yourself, who say, oh, look, that's, that's something that Tyler said and Rachel's yeah. in the book. Yeah. Um, so the, I like doing that. I like kind of like folding, folding these bits yeah. and pieces from all of the other things into, into the new work. But that's done now. So, so um, uh, the passing trilogy is done. I'm kind of writing a column about the lead up to the sensorium process, which is just about the Black Operatives Department. It's, it's probably like a, going like to be a prequel. A book. It's a prequel, yeah. yeah. But the the main focus at the main focus at the moment is the new piece and the poem, a wicked mm. pack of cards, and. Um, um, so that's all about the poem, which is now available on volume one is available on, um, Amazon. Um, I've written volume two to such an extent that I can create a, the new performance, right. which I'm very excited about, which, uh, will hopefully now premiere in August. So do you think, um, uh, so you're not publishing volume two until you've done the performance. So you think that maybe. Uh, you know, things that occur during the performance might then feed back into the written text. Yeah, it, it things change very quickly with with my stuff. I, I've, I started, um, as I mentioned earlier, I started uh, uh, a live stream, a live readings of the cards yeah. from. The, from the new from volume two and even while i'm reading it i'll change it while i'm reading it because i think yeah. oh that's a little bit that's that works a little bit better so yeah. it's all it's you know this this uh everything is beta or work is always a work in progress yeah. i think with my work that's very that's very very true um it's odd to have a, it's odd to have words printed on paper that you can't yeah. change yeah. um <laughs> It's really, really odd. Um, but it's kind of the, you know, once, um, once it's once it's printed, that it's like a doc, you know, it's like a snapshot of uh, a point in time, and it's like, well, that that's the summary of what I was thinking up until that point, and then it might have changed the day after. But, but that's, yeah, it's it's quite emotional actually because I was that uh, volume one. Again, for your listeners, do you have no idea what what we're talking about? A wicked pack of cards is a it, it's a, it's a it's a long form poem based on uh, T. S. Eliot's Wasteland. Um, it's got volume one has uh, thirteen cards. Each card is a little poem, um, and um, the premise is Joseph B. is a business magician, and he has a wicked pack of cards and he uses this card to train and to uh, um, to, to help and to guide businesses so each, each and business card professionals. Is a, is a business spell 
Each card is a business spell, um, and each card is completely blank. You you have to believe completely in Joseph to be able to see right. what's on the card. Right. Um, so you have to believe it to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, just you know, and that uh, if you've been in business as long as you have or I have, these people are running around. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the idea was to say, well, what would happen if I'm fascinated by business consultants, absolutely fascinated by them. And the, I, I thought, well, what, ha what happens if they run out of spiel, if they run out of things to say? What happens if they can't, if Cynic doesn't come up with another golden circle? What, and you know, what, what, and I, I was thinking about this and, I thought, well, what happens if they found magic or paganism? <laughs> and they kind of like go all in on the kind of like yeah. a green, green man mythology that you would find well, in the South of England. You know, one of the things I was going to say, because, you know, because I've read it through a few times, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you can see how you are sort of inhabiting T.S. Eliot to a degree without without it being mimicking or everything, but it's kind of like you, you've, you've incorporated a bit of that kind of style. But, but somehow, and I think, you know, this is one of the, one of the, the, the great things about the, about the poem, I guess, and the, the whole book, is how you use the language of 21st century business, but somehow make it sound arcane. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, but it's very. Um, there's a kind of atmosphere uh, that it kind of invokes. You know, which is which is kind of old. Yeah, it's very very. Like a lot of the language is so. You know, it's, it's exactly how we speak today. Well, but we don't speak how they speak. <laughs> how, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that the the trick. I'm really happy that you say that because that was definitely something I was I was trying to do. Um, it's it's heavily based on the ins the inspiration for the poem came from Wasteland, which is a poem that I've always gone, continued yeah. to go back to and read and in again where Branson bubbles up or pops up in all of the performances you'll find references to the wasteland or the wasteland act right. um as i call it in in quite a few of the in fact the all of the last four performances it will be in there yeah. i actually know there are more now six um the wasteland act was a, a, a reference to brexit um okay i, I, I put it in i put it in uh, the first time i used it was in purpose of entry and I was talking about Brexit before Brexit was even a thing. Right. The, the, and, um, and it feels so there's, so, there's a certain, there's the vibe to, to Wasteland is very Brit Britain 1922. Yeah. There, there is that, it's, <clears throat> there's also kind of like little touches of, um, Orwell, you know that you know you know that feeling that you get when you yeah. read Orwell that it's kind of like that post-war grumpiness. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I what I was also doing I was I was like folding in kind of 
like there are ideas from the hunting of the snark, um, which is a, a fantastic poem about pointlessness. Right. You know, constantly hunting for something that they, you don't even know exists. You don't know what it's lo it looks like, yeah. and you don't know where it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the hunting of the snark is probably the the, the greatest uh, poem written about modern business um, that we have. Right. Um, um, so I was very heavily influenced by that, but I was also uh, influenced by uh, North mythology. Um, I'm fascinated by Odin as a, as, a, as a character, which is why he pops up in the, pops up in the poem. And there's, there's this thing with, um, with Odin in the book of, um, oh, what's it called? The Norse, basic Norse Bible. Hang on a minute. What's the name of the damn book? I can never remember its name. I'm such an idiot. But it's, um, uh, a character in this, uh, a character in the Norse Bible, basically encounters three versions of um, Odin at the same time. So you have Odin right. the higher, Odin the and Odin the, the lower. Quantum um, Odin. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's uh, pro uh, the prose Edda exactly. So. Okay. So there's all that kind of stuff in there. And then I just kind of like mixed in kind of fast company junk, um, lots and lots of um, Mr. Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And, and um, um, you know, all of the discussions that I've ever experienced at business yeah. conferences or in business meetings or my working with startups years ago and all of those things. But, and that's kind of like, one version of the poem yeah. but on a on a on a more kind of like deeper personal level um it's it's an exploration of how i personally descend spiraled into a, a, in what at the time felt like madness yeah. um, um um and it was a a, a a period of great personal pain so the, I've been thinking about this for 30 years, th yeah. about how to write this damn, what to do with the wasteland. And then again, it just felt like that moment where the door opened, an idea shone in, mix all of these things up and keep it really, really close to some personal moments in your life and then finish it with card 13, which is probably the most hopeful thing I've, I've ever written. Um, uh, so, so that was basically the, the idea that, that I didn't start out to write a poem. I think yeah. that's also important to, to, to mention. I started out by trying to write the performance called A Wicked Pack of Cards. But through the writing, which uh, was actually very, very, the, the writing of the poem was very, very quick. I, I tend to mull for long periods of time, and then the writing happens really, really, really quickly. Yeah. So, so it was about a thing. Because oh, I, I, I remember eight you, hours. Sent, yeah, you sent me a, a draft of it, um, which must have just been hot off of the you know, word processing or whatever. But it was kind of, it seemed to come out of nowhere because you never mentioned it. 
you know, there was just, oh, by the way, I've written this gargantuan poem. <laughs> Bloody hell, where does that come from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm a poet now. It, it yeah. was, but I think, I think I have this kind of, um, I am the biggest living example of why you should take the imposter syndrome seriously because the right. imposter syndrome put me in a hospital. Right. Um, when I, you know, I see sometimes on Twitter that people are kind of like, it's imposter syndrome is not a proper syndrome and they're absolutely right, but it is a, a state of mind, a state of worry, which drives people to very dark places. Yeah. And the constant the reason self doubt the, yeah. yeah yeah it's it, yeah. it's 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 uh, the way i've i've learned to manage it is by uh, the wicked pack of cards is these aren't called single that's why they're called cards yeah i write cards i don't write poems i write cards yeah. and that's kind of like the mental trick that i that yeah. i use for myself to be able to it's like the idea of going, it's taken me a very, very long time to be able comfortably to say to people when they ask me, what do you do to say I'm a, I'm a performance artist? Right. And I can, at the moment when I changed my job title on LinkedIn to performance artist was a moment of great yeah. joy. It was like I finally kind of owning up it was a coming out and owning up. This is what I do. And as soon as I did it, people... I, I, have, a, I like, have a friend oh, who yeah, thinks he may be a performance bit. artist. <laughs> no, 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 no. Every, the, the point when I did it, people said, oh, no, I understand what you do. It makes p perfect sense. Yeah. So all that worrying about and all that nonsense about being a creative mentor and, and a creative consultant and all of that. It's all, nobody understood yeah. that. But from the moment I said I'm a performance artist, everybody said, everybody that mattered said, oh, now I understand what you do. Yeah. Um, I think you know, the other thing is uh, people knew that, that that's what you did before you did. I remember, so this must be maybe 12 years ago or something in London, and you'd come over. To, uh, it was in the basement of a pub somewhere to do some kind of uh, thing. I can't, I, can't, I can't exactly remember what what it was, but I was chatting to, you know, so like everyone from that scene at that time was there, you know, and we were chatting outside. I think it was Mark Hancock who was talking to me, and he's the one that said, this is performance art, isn't it? And we all went, oh yeah, actually it is. <laughs> we, we knew before and you. Just... <laughs> I mean, it, it's a, it, 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 it's interesting that you're so interested in biographies mm. because it's like the, while you were standing outside having a beer and chatting and saying, oh, this is performance art, I was downstairs packing the bits up thinking my life is in tatters. Right. It's like, it's like yeah. I, I've that that point in time i was in a really really unhealthy place i think there was a moment in 2010 i was it was getting really things were not good i was really not in a very good place and i was in london and 
um, I was with the gang and they were all on this high of, of what they were doing. They were all in amazing agencies. They were doing incredible work. And they'd invited me to come over. And I don't know, just do what Marcus does and see what happens. And if it's good, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you. So, and I was standing there and I was looking at what was going on around me and, and I suddenly thought to me, and it, it, this it, a realization that after years of thinking, this is exactly what I want, that I didn't want it and I didn't belong there. And it, and it took me until setting, it took me until six years ago and setting up this company and then kind of pivoting within my own little business to get to the point where to that realization, your realization in 2000, whenever it was, I think it was 2009. Yeah. Oh, this is performance art. It's like me like, are oh, you idiots performance art? And you were always meant to do this. This was what you yeah. always wanted to do. This is what you studied to do. This is yeah. what you did do for years. Yeah. And then you stopped doing it and now you're doing it again. So yeah. own up. So I think um, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of, there's much more work. I have to put much more work into supporting my own confidence around creating this stuff than actually creating this stuff at all. (laughs) Um, Flex was again, very important for this because um, the performance is so out there, so in your yeah. face, so completely different, so completely obviously not Marcus standing on stage, but this yeah. character. Yeah. And the conceit is so obviously absurd that yeah. the only conclusion that you can take away from it is, oh, that's a piece of performance art. Yeah. But it is, I mean, um, I haven't seen it in real life, but I've seen the the video and it's quite a spectacle you know because of the i mean like like you say when you when you get into that bigger conference environment it's not you know a little thing with 50 people in a boardroom you know this is like this is the big the big stage and you have that massive you know they have massive screens and the big sound and everything so you can you know um it's like stadium uh, yeah uh, well i knew i knew that um, I knew that I was going to be on stage one. So as soon as I found that out, I had to produce it so that it could fill that stage. I've, not, I've only ever done flex once. It's only ever been on that stage. It's okay. very, very difficult to imagine it. Can you imagine that? At, uh, I don't know. In a, I don't in, know, a, the, in a pub. <laughs> it wouldn't work small. In a pub. No, no, no. But it's something, I don't know, the, 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 the future of the, the future of um, the future of finance comp conference. <laughs> <laughs> something yeah. like that. So yeah, but that's why, you know, the that's why I wrote these things. Um, I, I wrote them so that you can and they're being booked uh, by conferences to shake the audience and give them something completely different um i i did the sensorium process for the drum um three two years ago in london at their future of marketing 
and uh, the poor, I can't remember his name, very, very lovely Scottish guy who was moderating the day. He, he's, uh, I think he's chief editor or something. Not Gordon, somebody else. Uh, he was shell shocked. He came to the stage shell shocked and didn't know what to what to say. And after the event, I was standing outside and having drinks with some some people that we both know, um, and nobody would talk to me. And this is something that happens uh, quite a bit after my performances. Um, I'll I'll come out. Side. I always get changed, so I make a conscious effort to every single every single character has a costume. Yeah. And so, so when, when you're finished sure. and you go out to the bar, it's uh, you know it's yeah. Mike Yarwood, and this is me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. very much so. Yeah. So I had to make a conscious effort to make sure that it is very, very different. So yeah. it will be uh, like a hoodie or something. So yeah. they'll oh, it's Mark. Oh, so oh, okay. So that's yeah. not you, really you. No, it's not really me. But um, the, 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 the way it happens in the bar afterwards always happens in the same way. So 10 minutes, nobody will talk to me. And in those 10 minutes, I'm thinking, oh, God, they hated it. Or, um, and people do hate them, you know, because it was like they really don't like being challenged in such a, you know, some, you know the, the end of the passing is brutal. They don't, you don't get that at conferences. People don't do that to you at conferences. Um, so, and I'll sit there and I'll worry and, and, um, and then it only takes one person to come over and start chatting to me. And then it's like school rugby. It's a very odd experience. Um, and do you sort of pick up material from the, the sort of social uh, events after, you know, just that. Um, Not necessarily, it, it's... Um, I just, I remember, uh, you know, um, Marky Smith, you know, he used yeah. to, uh, you know, because we're kind of talking about creative processes here. I, I, I liked what he said. He said that he, what he does is he goes to the pub and he just sits there drinking until everyone else around him starts to really annoy him. And then he yeah. goes home and writes it all down. And that's basically, <laughs> that's where the songs come from, you know. <laughs> well, you know, um, the Snowden pitch was, the, the, the Snowden pitch, loved Ghost in the Machine, and Purpose of Entry, although Purpose of Entry, no, 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 Love to Go, no, that was, that was the, the Snowden pitch was a freestyle presentation around a, a basic idea. So I presented yeah. it in very much, I didn't write a script. And um, I watched it over and over and over again, trying to work out what I didn't like about it. And I realized it because it was freestyle. I needed yeah. it to be scripted. So from that point on, I started scripting my, my pieces heavily to the word. Um, what I do do, however, is if I'm, and all of the scripts, are, it's like Snowden Pitch was basically um, taking the piss of the pitch process, how yeah. Uh, how a nonsense it is yeah. so that it starts off with him saying i've been we've been delighted to work on your brief 
<laughs> so it's all of all of those kind of all of the CEO bullshit stuff that we've heard in pitches over the last 20, 30 years. Um, yeah. You know, that's in there. But what I do, even though the pieces are now very, very heavily scripted, I make an effort to watch um, all of the. Or, normally, I put on at the end of the day because nobody wants to come on after me. So I was, but the, again, I can't, this is a I bit can't of think a, why anyone would not want to follow you. <laughs> it's interesting that because now the the. The performances, the hacks worked really well when people didn't really know about them. Right. So, yeah, it was just this weird so thing in the round middle, of, of the, middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, the, the funniest thing happened at Engage in Prague. So there's this big social media conference thing um, put on by a social media monitoring tool company. Yeah. Uh, and the conference is called Engage. Quite big, thousand people, yeah. wonderful room, incredible technology, it was a big show. Yeah. The, 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 the Eastern Europeans go for show, and I love that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Mach show, um, that's what they used to say to the Beatles, wasn't it? <laughs> Apparently. So, and, um, and, I, and I always talked, when I'm booked, I always go through the same kind of like process with the people who are trying to book me. I said, okay, which one do you want to book? Oh, I don't know. Which one, which one do you want to do? And, I said, you, and then it's like, you haven't watched any of them, have you? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, uh, and you could see the kind of like looking at the names of the performances. Uh, um, uh, the, the passing. Okay. Have you actually watched the passing? Yeah, 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 we love it, we love it. I said, if you, are you sure that you want to put your, no, we want to challenge our audiences. And, um, and in, this particular th in this particular conference, they put me in, they had tracks. Yeah. And um, they put me in the gaming track. And I sat down with the, with, the, with the stage host, I said, why have you put me in the gaming track? He said, we didn't know where to put you. I said, does the guy on, does the guy on after me? Does he know what I'm doing? He said, no, no, no. And said, have you actually watched the passing? He said, I have no idea what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did the, and I did the passing, uh, and with all the things that happen. And listeners, if you, if you haven't seen the passing, then just, you know, Google Marcus John Henry Brown the passing. And if you can't be bothered to watch the whole thing, just scrub to the end and see what happens. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll put links I, to I, I, somewhere. Yeah, um, and then and then I I did it and I came off and I walked backstage and the entire tech crew was standing there, gobsmacked, mm. like literally looking at me like, "What the fuck have you just done?" Yeah. And then and then and then this they had this beautiful, they, uh, an American with a beautiful announcer's voice who announced like the next guy. And now to give his perspective on um, social gaming, it's. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was so pissed off. And then we had a panel. It was just me, him, and the host about games. And I'm like, Stan, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, I what you want me. I don't know anything about games, but if you want to ask me anything about what I've just done, that's that's fine. So, like these things are, are, are yeah. very, very, 
fun. So when I mean, you were on the panel, when... were you Marcus or were you in? Car- or were you the character? I was Marcus. Yeah. Oh, right. No, no, I was Marcus. I had to say, okay, because I didn't have a chance to get changed, oh, right. and I was like, exactly, look, oh, I did, I did get changed. But you should have stayed that in character, and, that, and then you can have. An I opinion. can't. There's a very, very, ob- it's a very, very obvious reason why I can't stay in character. Right. Watch the video, listeners, and you'll find out why. But but those kind of things used to happen. They tend not to happen anymore um, because people do now know what they're booking. Um, the uh, but so they put me on at the end. But what I do do is I sit there throughout the entire day and I watch every single presentation. Yeah. on the main stage yeah. um and i do tend to kind of improvise some parts of the performance they're, they're improvised bits of other bits that other people have said if i think it fits to the context of the performance i'm doing then i'll kind of fold in their yeah. keynote or, or 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 talk into into yeah into uh into my work but um but they're kind of like fixed in in fixed in time and each one is different it's really interesting i've I've, i'm not quite sure how many times i've done the passing but if you watch all of the different versions each one is different there's a different vibe the audience is different i am in a different mood if the text is if the if the if the organization of the conference is rubbish then the performance will be much, much angrier. You can see if I'm happy, if Johnston, the character character I'm playing, if he's angry, then Marcus, the, Marcus, the, the, the artist is angry with something that's happened backstage. Yeah. And if he's more jolly, then everything's more jolly. And the, yeah. the, the more jolly ones are actually funnier because of what happens to him throughout the, you know, throughout the course of the performance. Um, so, it's it's a it's a it's a a lot of fun. It's it's fun. A friend of mine said that since coming out as a performance artist and since having these very clear performances that I have, I call them performances in a box of a product. And he nailed it and said, Marcus, you've just made it easier for people to buy you. Um, so, and that was helpful, but turned out to be a bit of a hindrance because I was very, I start, I found a formula for creating performances. Hmm. So I had, I have a workflow. I have, um, do do you uh, find yourself compelled to, as soon as you've got something that's working, do you find yourself compelled to stop doing it? something else yeah very much so yeah 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 it was like at the moment when i so after i'd finished flex so last year i i produced flex which is 60 minutes and then i was commissioned to write two more so i I wrote control chemistry um so Which chemistry, because I was going to mention that, because it's it's kind of connected to the trilogy, but it's its own thing at the same it's time. Prequel. Right. It's prequel stuff. Chemistry and control is pre- prequel stuff. Right. Okay. So it's but only about the Black Operatives Company, and they're a struggling okay. agency now. Right. They're struggling, okay. so they're having to kind of like. Um, and I and I looked at them and I thought, well, you know, they, 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 these are good, 
you know, the well produced, funny, on point, mm. insightful. Um, and because I have my workflow, I have an idea, I pour it into the workflow. Two weeks later, I have a, a performance piece that I can then rehearse, craft, change, present, and, and it's just not satisfying. <laughs> so I kind of realized that I've, with, with, with chemistry, the, the performance, it was like, oh, great, I've managed to get that nailed in, in two weeks. Wow. Instead of half a year. And with control, it was like, uh, I just managed to do this in four days. Yeah. And people liked it. You know, the feedback was great. And I think they're really good performances. But for me as the maker, it was like, oh, no, I've worked out how to do it. So I have to, and that's why, and that's how the work started on the Wicked Pack of Cards, by trying to break the, how can I get out of this conceit of, I'm playing a character, this is still a conference stage, you still are a conference audience, but I'm changing your role slightly. And there still are PowerPoint slides with PowerPoint slide jokes in them. But how can I get away from that? So I deconstructed my entire workflow and end product and, and tore it all down. And, um, I've, and the writing of the poem was a way of, I sent it to, I sent it to somebody and they said, I, I really, don't know how you're going to make a performance out of this. And I thought, yes. Because right. yeah. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened Challenge to Challenge accepted. Because there was, there was a sort of novel that got, yeah. that, that was begun. And then. The yeah. Path. I've got, I've got three, I've got three. Um... So I'm, I'm writing a column for um, a marketing magazine, which is a fictional column about the black operatives department. And that's right. prequel to the performances. I've stopped, I've kind of put it on hold at the moment because I don't think it's the time for dystopia. Living in dystopia as we are at the moment, just, it just doesn't feel right to be writing about that kind of stuff. Is that not a challenge? Because like to to go darker, you know, because it has to be darker than than what's real. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not. It, it's I mean, it's funny, but um, but it's too much like low hanging fruit, and so I've kind of stopped it. But that that's that's a huge chunk of writing there, um, and I've got a large chunk of of. Um, um, after the passing, so after 2059, so there's a lot of that has been written. Um, I'm, uh, my wife is furious with me that I've not finished it. Um, I'm, I have to, again, it's like, I need to find a way of tricking myself out of thinking that I'm a, I have to be an, a, 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 an author of a novel. So I've not quite found out how to do that yet. So, but the writing of those things has heavily influenced the performances anyway. Yeah. 
and, and to be fair, I could, if I just wrote down all of the performances up until now, then that's probably a novel. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, between but, um, the, you know, I guess between the four, well, the five, in fact, you know, that's, you probably got, that, you know, if all that was written down, it's, it'd be like, uh, if you ran them all concurrently, it'd be like one of these sort of Tarantino type movies, you know, where there's like three or four narratives. Yeah. That, that run concurrently and they but only occasionally overlap. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's, it's a, a screenplay. A screenplay, not a, not a <laughs> Yeah, but the, the the thing is is kind of that things then become finite. I I I kind of but because I've spent so much time in business, I have an awful lot of people telling me to kind of like um um like to finish stuff and 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 to be not how to describe it to be more business-like about things so um to have and i think for an artist I'm, i think i'm probably one of the most business focused artists out there at the moment i have kind of like products i have um, a business plan i look at each piece as a as a as a as a as a, as a business to be fair um but I like to leave a huge amount of room for interpretation and so that the viewer or the audience or now in, with, the, with, the, with the poem, the reader, can read uh, their own interpret. They have their own interpretations about what's going on. It becomes their poem. A lot of people have told me that they keep rereading a, a wicked pack of cards and finding different stories to it um the the key to unlocking the poem both volume one and volume two um and to be fair I, volume one it's just one big poem and i've only published half of it because i just wanted to get it out there the 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 frustrating thing with with uh, books and publishing is that a they get finished b once you once they're printed you can't change them and um well you kind of can't because yeah but don't don't say that because then no, 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 they'll change it and then don't say what you were going to say all right don't say that i have ideas around that as well but yeah. <laughs> but, right. but um but the but the, the the key to unlocking the poem is the it's the very first card. And if you've understood that card, and it seems to me like the perfect way to end this podcast is for me to read the first card, which is card zero, the riddle. Shall I do that? Yes, that would be great. Okay, so this is um, card zero, the riddle, from a wicked pack of cards, available now on Amazon. <laughs> Have you seen my advert? I did. I saw it. I saw it today. Fantastic. Yeah, you make you, you just sort of. It's not just one of your videos you made yourself. It looks better than most ads. I went out for a run yesterday morning because we're allowed to yeah. go for a, 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 out out for a, a, a run. And I was thinking about uh, I need to get some sales on the books because it's just. Listener, if you think that self-publishing a book is going to make you rich and famous, <laughs> think again. Yeah. So I was thinking about, okay, well, I used that. I had like the spinning book thing that I was using as an advert in the live stream last week. 
I'll just post that on Twitter. And I said, no, that's boring, that's rubbish. And then I was thinking about it. And then I came up with the idea of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah printed on extra, extra soft paper. <laughs> printed on gloriously soft paper. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to do it in a slightly soft Scottish accent. But I said, uh, gloriously soft yeah. paper. If, if a little um, sort of golden retriever puppy had run in and snatched the book out of your hands... <laughs> That way, that would have been. That would have been just. That would have been class. We we did spend lots of time at the. Well, we spent five minutes actually at the at lunch. Uh, over lunch, I was talking to to my wife about how, what the end line was going to be, and the, my first idea was bec because it's really hard to wipe your ass with an ebook. But then we <laughs> thought this. <laughs> Yeah. Three, four, soft paper is, yeah. uh, is the better way to go. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. So this is card zero, the riddle. The one-eyed <coughs> one man sits in the ten bells in Shoreditch, sipping on a pint of Camden Pale Ale. He gestures to us and beckons that we come closer to hear a tale that he wants us to tell. These are my daughters, Hugin and Munin. See how their hair shines in the sun. They keep me informed of all things doing by the business folk, the startups, in fact, everyone. The general at the bar wore his ripper hobby horse costume. It's the first of May, he would say. Oz, Oz, where's Oz? It's Ripper Day in Shoreditch. Get yourselves out to the Ripper Pole. Dance the Ripper Dance with all the Ripper tourists and skip through the black ribbons and pray for lost souls. Sit, friend. I hear you're looking for secrets, trying to find those hidden gems, the shortcuts to some unreal money with no catches, remorse, or bothersome regrets. Take this card and turn it over and watch as your fortune flows. Take this card and turn it over and watch just what it shows. White-nosed clowns in the corner dissected protagonists. Us, us, we, us. We sit, we take the card and turn it over, but it's blank. There's nothing printed on it. It has no face, has no image, no words, no wisdom, and no unreal money. What is this trick? What is this nonsense? Look, friend, just use my eye for I am Odin. Go to Austin, Munich and Berlin. Go to Frankfurt, London and to Bournemouth, Southampton, Totnes and Turin. Take this book, the one now before you and open it and find the secret hidden deep within. For this card here is just a riddle. As are they all, just ask my daughters, Hugin and Munin. Flick through the pages and then you'll see that you will see them if you just believe. Chant the curses, turn the cards, speak the spells and find the treasures. If you do, you'll see the pictures. It really isn't hard. Believe in Joseph, his magic and his wicked pack of cards. Splendid. Thank you very much. That was, that was an Thank unexpected, <laughs> it was an unexpected uh, West Country twang to the person that I've been 
Well, that's the... not how it sounded also... in my head. But... <laughs> well, I think again, this is interesting that you, um, if you, there are different versions of people reading the wasteland. So if you listen to T.S. Eliot reading, reading the, 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 the Wasteland, he, he's got this really strange, wobbly voice. April is the coolest bud. Really odd. Really, really strange. And then if you listen to kind of like modern interpretations of it, it's much more kind of like... So you have all of these different... Um, Joseph B. has a completely different voice to what you're probably expecting. Yeah. So if you... Um, uh, so his voice would be something like, uh, um, this is from card one, The Struggle. Uh, Give me the child, said the voice. Give me the child right now. So he's, he's a very kind of like strange kind of like mix of different dialects. But the, uh, the West Country voice um, is uh, from Padstow. So it's, um, there's a, a, a celebration, Oz, Oz, Wes, Oz in Padstow with, with the hobby horse. Right. And if you, if you get marked and if you go under the skirt of the hobby horse, then you'll, right. become, you'll be pregnant. And so it's a very, very, and only right. people from Pat, Padstow are allowed to take part in it. And there's right. a very old film from Pathé um, about that tradition down there. And uh, there's an old general who sits in the corner of the bar Right. out of his face on scrumpy right. um and he used to be the hobby he used to be the hobby horse but he now sits right. in the corner and just nods and drinks and says you're doing right. you're doing a really good job so there are lots of different voices in in the poem and um and the interesting thing for the performance is um i don't know if i should give that away don't, don't give it away don't give it well, I can tell you that, that uh, the, the basic premise about all of the Wicked Pack of Cards and, and um, you get a more of a feeling for that in, the, in, in volume two is that there is only one person left on the planet right. and it's Joseph B. Right. And all of these voices and people that you encounter, they're different versions and aspects of Joseph. So it's kind okay. of like the people he's encountered over time people he thinks he is so there's a new character which i've which um didn't quite make it into volume one because i didn't know what to do with him but um i'll be talking about that later in the live stream um it's a disaster capitalist right <laughs> and uh, I, I really wanted to um there's a lot of film in a new in, in the new performance. In fact, it is film. Um, and uh, I, I live just down the road from the Bavaria Film Studios. Okay. Um, and they have and they have a street, a fake street in the studio. Okay. Um, and I was I was trying to negotiate using the street because I wanted to have this particular character. It's like a mix of the Joker and Gary V. Right. So he was. He has a very. He has a very kind of like clear costume that I had, but I also bought huge clown shoes, and I've made a spinning sign. Right. Okay. With hurry up, it's hurry up, it's time. Instead of um, everything must go, which is on the yeah. sign that the Joker holds, 
I've uh, I've put on um, Hurry Up It's Time, which is the, the theme which keeps popping up in the poem, which is stolen and slightly corrected from uh, uh, The Wasteland. In The Wasteland, right. it's Hurry Up, Please, It's Time. But okay. we now live in a, a slightly less polite society, so I got rid okay. of the please. <laughs> got rid of the please. Got rid of the please. Oh. It's Hurry Up, It's Time. So, um, but... I saw footage from Frankfurt yesterday, and I don't. If I was allowed to go out filming, I could just do it anywhere. Because this oh, yeah, is ghost yeah, town. Yeah, it's, 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 it's,